That gets us to number one, David. Number one. Do we have a drum roll? Ryan buys a uh, turtle. <laughs> All right, no, yes, okay. Actual drum roll? All right. Number one. You, you, you Actual drum it? roll. Yeah. I kind of heard it. Oh, it's okay. something. <laughs> we'll, we'll add it in post. We'll put it in post. <laughs> Sound effects in post-production. Number one. Coming in at number one. Hey guys, welcome to another Bankless State of the Nation episode. This one's going to be a fun one. I got my Christmas hat on, David. And, you know, I'm in the I'm in the holiday spirit. And uh, I'm also in the spirit of like recapping everything we did in 2021. So what are we doing on this episode? We're going through the top 20 things, top 20 big things that happened in Countdown. crypto in 2021. Going down, starting from 20, going down all the way down to number one, because that's how Countdown works. And then we will, of course, finish off with some honorable mentions as well. Uh, these are loosely ranked in some kind of combination of uh, chronological order, but also with significance. So as we go down the the list, the things get bigger and bigger in deal, but also later and later in the year. So there's some sort of some sort of method to the madness there. Guys, you know the uh, Spotify yearly wrap up. Well, you know, tells you what music you listen to, how many hours you spent, all that sort of thing. That's what we're doing. These are all stories that we 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 talked about on the weekly roll ups. Mm-hmm. And so this is like a a wrap-up of the year in crypto. A roll-up of the roll-up. Aggregated. It's a roll-up of the roll-ups. This is sharded roll-ups right mm-hmm. now, I think. Did you know, Ryan, that Your you can, you can actually settle a roll-up onto another roll-up? That's actually a, technically a thing you can do. And that is what we are oh doing God. with the yearly roll-up. <laughs> my brain's not ready for that, okay? <laughs> I was just getting modular blockchains implanted in my brain. Now you're talking about like roll-ups on top of roll-ups. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that for 2022, okay, guys? Um <laughs> Hey, before we get in, we got to talk about Hashflow though, David. So Hashflow is a DeFi OTC desk. People know what DeFi is, but what's an OTC desk? Yeah, an OTC desk, OTC stands for over the counter. If you are a big trader trading a lot of volume and you just want your price to be optimized, uh, then you go to an OTC desk. But as we all know, if you can do it in DeFi, you can do it even better in DeFi. Uh, and so that's what Hashflow is. Hashflow is your DeFi OTC desk for big trades with zero slippage, MEV protection, and a bunch of other cool features as well. A ton of liquidity. Uh, and so you can check them out at app.hashflow.com. Uh, if you are a high volume trader or just making a big purchase, Hashflow might be the place for you. Tight spread, zero slippage liquidity, MEV protection. Also, soon, they'll provide a way to grant yield on top of this liquidity. So you can actually be a liquidity provider on Hashflow. And there is a Google form. If you want early access to that, you can check that out. We'll post that link in the show notes as well. All right, so David, I usually ask you, what's the state of the nation this week? But uh, today is different because this is the last state of the nation episode of the year. It's the last podcast you and I are recording for the year. We're going to go on holidays. Uh, so tell us, you got to tell us, what's the state of the the entire year in crypto? Not just the week. Sum up the year for us in one word. It's pretty. It's a, it's a tall order, Ryan. But I think the state of 2021 <laughs> is proven. We are proven. <laughs> crypto has proven okay. itself in so many different ways. Inflation, we got a solution for that. Uh, terrible culture, we got a solution for that. Uh, <laughs> terrible <you know>. culture. <laughs> Web 2 gargantuans that are consuming all of our data, we got a solution for that. All of the use cases that we've always dreamed of in crypto are finally proven out in 2021. So, Ryan, the state of the year in crypto is proven. 
I think it's true, man. We uh, we definitely had a lot to prove coming into 2021, and, and we, uh, we we proved it to mainstream. So I'll, I'll plus one that. And I think um, w- one of the things that uh, we've proven most is that crypto can be a home for, for new new forms of institutions, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the old institutions better get on board or get out of the way. So we are about to get to the 20 biggest events that happened in 2021. But before we do that, we wanna thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that's going to completely change how we use DeFi. And now it's live with over a hundred projects deployed. Gas fees on the Ethereum L1 sucks. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. And that's why teams like Arbitrum have been hard at work developing layer two solutions that makes transactions on Ethereum cheap and instant. Arbitrum increases Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. That's why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and overall make a better experience for your users, go to developer.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. If you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps building on Arbitrum. Many DeFi applications that are on the Ethereum Layer 1 are migrating over to Layer 2s like Arbitrum, and some are even skipping over Layer 1s and deploying directly on Layer 2s. There are so many apps coming online to Arbitrum, so go to bridge.arbitrum.io and start bridging over your Ether or any of the tokens listed and start having a DeFi experience that you've always wanted. Living a bankless life requires taking control over your own private keys. Not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the Bankless Nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is much more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger Live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite DeFi apps all in one spot, Ledger Live is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy your crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into all of the DeFi apps and services that you're used to. Using Ledger Live, you can stake your ETH in Lido, swap on DEXs like Paraswap, or display your NFTs with Rainbow. You can also use Wallet Connect inside of Ledger Live to connect to all the other DeFi apps that keep coming online. DeFi never stops growing, and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all of the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has, and stay tuned as more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab a Ledger, download Ledger Live, and get all of your DeFi apps all in one space. All right, Bankless Nation, here we are now. We are counting down the top 20 biggest events, the marquee events, news items from 2021. And what a year it's been. Just an incredible year for crypto. Hard to summarize all of these things, but we are going to attempt to do that. So what are we doing, David? We're doing a countdown from 20 all the way to one. And what's the rank ordering here? Uh, It's a little bit chronological, a little bit by significance. So as things progress down the list, they happen later and later in the year, but they are also more and more significant as well. Uh, Ryan, are you ready to get started? Yeah, let's get started, man. What's number? uh, Let's start with number 20. What is number 20 on our list of top 20 biggest events? 
Yeah, number 20 is Ether and Bitcoin break all-time highs. And this happened at the very beginning of the year. In fact, Bitcoin actually broke its all-time highs in uh, 2020. So technically, that did not happen in 2021. Uh, Bitcoin broke its all-time high on the 14th of December, 2020. And then Ether okay. broke its all-time high on the 18th of January, 2021. After three years of depressed bearishness throughout a very <laughs> long and drawn-out bear market, uh, after DeFi summer happened, which brought in a ton of new energy, Bitcoin finally broke its all-time highs uh, on December 14th, 2020 at, at $21,000. And then Ether followed suit a little over a month later, breaking through that $1,400 mark on the, er, in the first few weeks of January. So that's really how we started off this year, is breaking new all-time highs. So we started this year bullish. I feel like we ended it bullish, but also we're in kind of this weird crap territory, David. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we'll see what's in store for 2022. I think both you and I are, are still bullish going to the new year, but um, that remains to be seen what's going to happen. But let's get to number 19 on our mm -hmm. list. So number 19, GME and the rise of meme stocks. So GME, of course, is the famous GameStop stock. They had a little debacle with hedge funds. That happened mm -hmm. earlier in the year. And uh, we covered it significantly on Bankless. I think it proved out the use case for DeFi in a big way. But what was the story? What happened here? Yeah, there's so much packed into this story. Uh, it's the story of uh, a stimulus checks, the downstream effects of stimulus uh, checks, which definitely were a big theme of 2020, going into the hands of retail traders and the uh, retail traders showing the power of uh, all of you know apes aping together, apes strong together or Apes Together Strong, that one. Uh, and then also going up against institutions. It was the Apes versus Citadel, the, the hedge fund. Uh, and then also showing the power structures of the world where when a bunch of retail traders band together to short squeeze a big hedge fund, the big hedge fund calls up Robinhood and says, yo, stop trading. Uh, and so th this has so many different stories like wrapped in it uh, inside of it. The stimmy checks, uh, retails, retail traders banding together, uh, the inflation and uh, pushing out on the risk curve that uh, people have as a result of increasing printing of dollars, the power structures of the world, the hedge funds connected with the infrastructure to make sure that the hedge funds can't lose. Oh, man, so much wrapped into this. And this really kicked off the meme stonk revolution. AMC happened right after this. Dogecoin mooned from below a penny up to 25 cents right after this. Uh, and so it really just kicked off so many things in 2021. What do you think about this energy? Do you think it's a healthy energy or do you think it's a, a little bit unhealthy? I know definitely no traditional mainstream media's view on, on this, which is pretty negative. Mm -hmm. But what's your take on this? Oh, I think it's definitely an indication of something that crypto very much stands for, which is power going back into the hands of the individual uh, and the individuals having and realizing they have more power than what they previously discovered. Uh, and so, no, I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about this. Also, just like, again, individuals taking more control over their own personal finances. Granted, meme stocks is kind of okay like whatever I'll, 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 i'm not gonna fight that fight um uh but yeah i, I think it's, it's a just emblematic of of the year at large yeah another story wrapped up in that is of course like how reddit analysts are better than uh the best analysts in wall street and how mm -hmm. if we band together and like research these uh these uh stocks and yeah. these various assets these opportunities um, we can uncover things that that Wall Street doesn't. Uh, it's a really cool example there. That's number 19. Let's get to number 18. So this is Michael Saylor mm -hmm. buying Bitcoin. He did it all year. We'll also wrap up Tesla 
mm-hmm. buying Bitcoin in the mix here. Both of those things happened in uh, Q1. Of course, for Michael Saylor, it's happened the entire yeah. year. Why yeah. is this number 18 on our list? Yeah, this also Michael Saylor also bought a bunch of Bitcoin in 2020, but it was really Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy buying Bitcoin in 2020 and then also continuing to do it all throughout 2021 and then actually convincing other companies like Tesla to follow suit. Uh, So, yeah, 2021 was the year that Tesla, the biggest one of the biggest uh, public companies out there, puts Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Uh, And also really when Elon Musk as an individual starts just participating in crypto discourse and uh we'll talk about that in the honorable honorable mentions category later but yeah michael saylor tesla and a few other public companies putting bitcoin on the balance sheet was a big theme in 2021 still kind of contrarian though because even though like uh microstrategy's doing it um you know a handful of other firms are doing it it didn't maybe get as widespread as people thought it was at the beginning of, of 2021 there was this idea that all fortune 500 companies or many of them their cfos were going to like I guess, ape into Bitcoin and start adding it on the balance sheets. And uh, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's people thought that this was going to be a snowball that just rolls. And it kind of stopped with Tesla after Tesla, like no big significant company put it on the balance sheet. And I perhaps people just looked at like the volatility of both Elon Musk and Michael Saylor as individuals and be like, oh, well, that's that's a volatile set of <laughs> I'm individuals. I'm so sure about this yeah, one. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Well, let's get to number 17. So that was 18. But number 17 is the rise of layer twos. David, you and I called for layer two summer to happen. Mm-hmm. It kind of happened-ish at the end of summer, which is the launch of uh, right. all of these new layer twos. But there were definitely some massive successes on the layer two front this year, particularly mm-hmm. in these application-specific layer twos like DYDX. Right here, we're looking at uh, layer two beat. Why was the, the rise of layer twos a big story this year, number 17 on our list? Well, because the conversation about layer twos and Ethereum has been happening since you know 2017. We've talked about layer twos. And so plasma? It, yeah, plasma, S- state, state channels. channels, yeah, payment channels, yeah, all, all like Raiden, all these like layer twos, technical and technically count as layer twos, but they weren't the layer twos that we really, really, you know, hoped or dreamed for. And so after 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, layer twos are coming. Layer twos are coming. Layer twos are coming. Ryan, we started this podcast saying. Layer twos are coming. In 2021, layer twos actually came fully fledged layer twos, EVM uh, compatible, smart contract enabled, trustless layer twos arrived on Ethereum after years and years of research and development and experimentation. Main nets are actually deployed onto the Ethereum layer one. Uh, and that's that's huge. It's been many, many years coming. Didn't really have the blowout, you know, if you know, here the blowout like adoption that we hoped that they would have. Turns out it was a little bit of a slow roll. Turns out these things do not go are not when you deploy them onto main mainnet, they are not in their final form. They are still like relatively constrained and limited, but they are in their last phases of just research development and, and the last phases of just actually being tested by the real world market. Uh, which is, of course, the last thing. So 2021, actual L2s with actual smart contract capabilities with actual trustlessness came to Ethereum. This kind of bleeds into our next uh, item on the list, number 16, clocking in number 16, DeFi, bigger than CeFi. And this is a story, I think, in in two parts. The first Mm -hmm. is this. Uh, We're looking at a tweet from Hayden Adams from February 15th, 2021, earlier in this year. Uniswap just became the first decentralized trading platform to process over $100 billion in volume, an exciting milestone for DeFi. 
That on some days was larger than the volume on Coinbase. Also, there were some days in 2021 that uh, stablecoin liquidity and volumes on Uniswap V3 dwarfed that of Coinbase as well. So kind of a flippening in progress there. The second part of this story is Antonio from DYDX, and this dovetails into what you were saying about scalable layer twos uh, with, with number 17. He said, five years ago, I left Coinbase and I eventually funded, uh, founded DYDX today for the first time. DYDX is doing more volume than Coinbase. Oh my God. This DeFi protocol deployed on layer two, now doing more volume than the Coinbase exchange. Uh, DeFi grew bigger than CeFi in a few cases in 2021. And that's a big deal. What are your thoughts? I, I think just having days and weeks where DeFi is doing more volume is just, of course, the first step to doing months and years. Uh, so I think it's it's days and weeks in 2021 and 2022 and beyond. It starts to be like, oh, we're like... DeFi exchanges are doing more volume than Coinbase on a monthly basis. And then it's not many months after that until it's a yearly basis. And then after that, it's just forever. And now DeFi is completely just eating CeFi's lunch. Uh, and that is what, so just bull, bullish on that. And we got the first taste of that in 2021. Bullish the, the bankless thesis, which of course says that DeFi protocols will be at the very bottom layer mm -hmm. for uh, the entire financial ecosystem. Okay, we just breezed through five of these. We're, we're getting to number 15 now. Uh, number 15 is clocking in. China actually banned Bitcoin this uh, crypto this time. Not just mm -hmm. Bitcoin, but all of crypto. All right, so this has been like common FUD in crypto circles for many years. Oh my God, a couple months years. or so. China's banning Bitcoin. China's banning crypto. Something like that is happening. Well, this year it felt like they actually did it. How do we know that? There was a mass exodus of proof of work mining machines and companies out of China into other regions of the world. We'd never seen that before. Why is that number 15 on our list, David? Yeah, because it's a, going to be very indicative of global shifts of power. Uh, if you believe the crypto thesis that open permissionless public networks are going to be the dominant form of just financial activities, and then you see China pushing out not just Bitcoin mining, but all crypto infrastructure, like websites, exchanges, out are out of China. And not only do we know that from from the hash flow migration, hash, uh, hash rate migration, but we also just know this from uh, the data of uh, holdings of crypto assets inside of Chinese exchanges have also gone to zero. Uh, so we know that China is actually pushing out basically everything about crypto. Uh, and so this might be the thing that finally ends China's like significant dominance. It, this might be the 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 thing that costs them significantly in growth and just, uh, you know, integration into the real world economy in the future. It's also really, truly helped the Bitcoin narrative as hash flow goes from the east into the west, where U.S. regulators are feel much more comfortable about it. It's helped uh, Bitcoin mining, proof of work mining go from uh, coal heavy to green energy friendly. Uh, and so that's also helped it with its narrative tailwinds. Uh, and so there's a lot, a very significant number of positive second and third order consequences as a result of China actually banning crypto this time, uh, except uh, sad for the actual Chinese citizens because they are now uh, only have the option of the Chinese central bank digital currency, which while it is doing fantastic things to unbank the or bank the unbanked, uh, it's also putting them even further under control of the Chinese authoritarian government.
that that last point I, I think merits some uh, repetition as well. We did a fantastic podcast on the Chinese central bank digital currency and their plans around blockchain earlier uh, this year uh, with a book uh, called Cashless. Somebody wrote about what's going on in China. And so if you want to dig in deeper into the story, which I you know, encourage you to do, go check out that podcast. Um, we'll include a link to it in the show notes. But that's exactly what China is, is, is teeing up. So step one, get crypto out. Step two, replace crypto with this centralized pseudo crypto type of system that is completely controlled by the Chinese government. And you have to wonder what other nation states will do in reaction to this, right? There's kind of a, a fork in the road. Will they follow China and pursue that path? Or will they follow the open permissionless crypto path and uh, continue to develop on top of those rails? It's something we'll be monitoring into the next year. All right, that's 15. Number 14, this was big, man. A central bank finally adopted Bitcoin. Bitcoin became legal tender in El Salvador. They started purchasing it on El Salvador, a nation state balance sheet. Why is this number 14, David? This has been part of the Bitcoin unofficial roadmap for forever. Like, you know, first individuals, then companies, then countries. Uh, and after countries, there's not much more beyond that. There's only bigger and bigger countries. Uh, and so El Salvador, you know, small country, small GDP, uh, but the first. Uh, and so Bitcoin is now officially a cryptocurrency. The first ever cryptocurrency is now legal tender in an entire country. Um, there, this did not. Uh, this also drew a bunch of criticism. Uh, you know, the, the dictator nature of uh, of the president of uh, of uh, El Salvador, uh, Nayib Bukele, uh, and also the, kind of the the forcing of Bitcoin upon uh, individuals and businesses in El Salvador didn't always re wasn't always received with positive. Uh, feedback from both the the citizens of El Salvador and from others as well. This has also drawn the attention of in, uh, institutions like IMF, who feel very very threatened by this, by the independence of El Salvador from the global financial system, uh, and overall it has been a, just a huge narrative tailwinds towards alternative uh, currencies that aren't just fiat currencies printed out of thin air by central banks. Uh, so just a very powerful story. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully the first of many to come of countries that are choosing alternative assets as legal tender in their countries. Yeah, I think it's an extraordinary uh, story. And I, I like that you called it part of Bitcoin's unofficial roadmap, because that's exactly what it is. It's now Bitcoin is on an adoption roadmap. There are not too many, you know, technical plans and improvements uh, in in the works, but definitely a lot of adoption things uh, to take. And the IMF's response on this has been like, let's quarantine the contagion. Let's make sure this doesn't spread mm -hmm. to other places in uh, Central America, other places in the world. It was definitely a shot across the bow of the nation states and existing institutions of the world. So that in itself is fascinating and uh, I think worthy of, of being on our list here this year. Um, let's get to number 13, though. Mm -hmm. Unlucky number 13, I guess. It's a meme number in itself. And uh, $69 million is also a meme number. That was the price at which this Beeple artwork sold. $69 million, uh, the highest crypto art sale in history, making Beeple, the creator of this art, one of the top three most valuable living artists. Absolutely incredible. This happened in March of this mm -hmm. year. We're still in Q1 of NFT mania, which uh, we'll cover, I think, on this list in, in some more detail. But what uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this, this I think, is really emblematic of many of the things that make NFTs so cool. Um, uh, 
Uh, Beeple was famous for making digital art, one digital art per day for years, like didn't miss a day. And digital art's not easy to create in a short amount of time. Uh, and so the, and as a result of just the nature of digital art before crypto, he never really had any way to monetize his artwork, monetize his, his, you know, creations. NFTs gave Beeple uh, the ability to actually monetize his digital art. Uh, and so just from going from a guy who kind of an indie guy with a cult following of just like making weird digital art things every single day and a decent sized Instagram, and then going to actually being able to sell those things because of the power of it slapping a token onto a JPEG, uh, that made people the number one uh, or one of the top three most valuable living artists. So this this is the story of NFTs at large. Uh, a lot of digital art, new forms of art, don't have a way to be monetized, and NFTs offer that for so many people. People was just like a, a signal of things to come. And, you know, a lot of digital artists will be funded by NFTs in ways that they weren't previously able to monetize their, their art. Uh, so this was just the first of what turned into a whole entire movement. And now we have uh, photography NFTs, other digital, like music NFTs. Uh, you know, Audius has a whole entire platform, for example. And so this is just a, a great example of the power of NFTs, putting money into the hands of artists that previously did not have such an opportunity. I think if you're measuring the timeline of the creator economy, right, this $69 million Beeple sell, sell is going to be a key milestone in that, right? It's like this is an artist connection directly to fans and a way to monetize um, his art pieces without any third parties. And uh, the creator economy is definitely a big theme that, that carried forward through the rest of the year. Uh, but so were NFTs. And that brings us to number 12 on our list. Only a dozen more to go. Number 12, CryptoPunks. Mm -hmm. Board apes and profile NFTs, PFP NFTs. What a crazy year for this asset class. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, board apes, crypto punks, breaking Sotheby's estimates. Where do you want to start with this one, David? Yeah, the, the profile picture NFT movement really just proved it, really helped the whole broader NFT movement because you could see. Uh, profile picture NFTs in your Twitter handles. And now I have them also in my Instagram and Facebook handles. And uh, when I uploaded it to my LinkedIn account, I was like, ha ha ha, now everyone on LinkedIn has to look at my CryptoPunk. You put a CryptoPunk on your uh, oh, LinkedIn yeah. profile? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. man. And so, uh, I'm going to add my turtle. <laughs> I, I think this is really just a breakout use case of the metaverse, like actually putting a digital representation of yourself as your digital avatar on your all your social media accounts. As it turns out, as the definition of the metaverse has expanded, it's expanded into platforms like Instagram and into platforms like TikTok. Like, turns out that's what the metaverse is. So having digital representations, unique digital representations, uh, just was an extreme use case. And also the dollar value of you know, things like CryptoPunks and Bored Apes, the sticker shock of these things allows people to flex. And people love flexing, especially with art. Uh, and, and also just the combination of just like a a cohered community, like there's all the CryptoPunks, there's all the Bored Apes, but also have unique people inside of those uh, in those uh, communities. So like you have, you know, 10,000 CryptoPunks, 10,000 individuals, but, you know, only one of them is the albino smile with the hat, right? So I'm a, I'm a CryptoPunk, but I'm only this CryptoPunk. It allows for communities to form with individuality also inside of those communities. Uh, and so not only was it a way to flex in the metaverse, uh, flex your NFTs, but also a way to to, you know, signal that you're a part of a tribe, you're a part of a community, but you're a unique part of a community as well. Uh, so just a really big movement uh, this year with the whole profile picture NFT uh, phenomenon. 
This is new wave flex, new wave Rolex uh, for sure. And I, I think you're right about something about the, the, the profile. It was like, it was a perfect fit for mm-hmm. all of our existing social media platforms that we know and love. Like you could just glue it directly into your avatar image and it sort of became a representation of you in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Also from a price perspective, David, what what are some of the prices that we're talking about with crypto punks and, and board apes? Like what, what are the floor prices or some of the big sales over the course of the year? Well, CryptoPunks recently had that over $10 million sale for a single CryptoPunk, making it the highest profile picture NFT sale ever. Um, The floor price of CryptoPunks, I believe, is uh, low at 60 right now. The highest I think it got to was like 100. 60 ETH. Yeah, the highest it got to was 144. I believe board apes are clocking in at 45 ETH for the floor. There's a big conversation about uh, board apes flipping CryptoPunks in terms of the, the floor price. Um, uh, but uh, overall, just a generalized adoption. The board apes have been like the story of an NFT profile picture adoption, hands down. I think it's specifically because they got launched in 2020 or, or early 2021. So they had some of that early momentum. Jimmy Fallon's got a got a got a board ape. The the chain smokers has has a board ape. Really, board apes have have kind of won the pop culture meme. But we've just really seen. David, uh, is it true that board apes launched? I think I've got uh, something in my notes like uh, April twentieth. Oh yes, yeah, it, for twenty twenty. Such a new project, when, right? Right, yeah. So huge, just huge victory by by board apes for how much mainstream adoption they've happened. They've gotten in such a short amount of time. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we've got the, got the headline up. Collection of board ape NFTs breaks Sotheby's estimates with three days to go. Also, CryptoPunks also sold on Sotheby's. And so really just making their way into traditional art sale, art, uh, sale auction houses. Um, uh, and so they, they aren't the only ones as well. Other art blocks made their way here. Um, uh, also, shout out to Cool Cats. Definitely deserves to be up here as well. Cool Cats NFTs. Uh, of which I gave mine away. Um, so slight, slight regret on that one, but okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, you got someone else into crypto, right? I that, did. Yes, I did. That's what this whole that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That's number 12. All right, guys, number, number, yep. number 11. We're getting closer to the top 10. Not quite there yet, but getting closer. Number 11, Axie Infinity. Of course. Just two words. Breakout game, mm-hmm. absolutely crushing it. Some stats. This is a, a tweet um, from... Uh, let's see, August 6th. The first NFT project, Axie Infinity, to hit $1 billion in all-time NFT trading volume. History in the making. 2.5 million monthly active players in October. The AXS token was about $30 million in market cap this time last year. Got to highs of like eight, maybe $9 billion in the course of a 12-month time span. Absolutely the breakout uh, token, the breakout price appreciation, maybe the breakout app of the year, combining NFTs and crypto games. What's uh, why, why does this make number 11 on our list besides everything I just said? Yeah, just to help listeners frame the context of 1 billion in all-time NFT volume, that happened in August, so not even counting the rest of the year. Uh, OpenSea hit $10 billion in NFT trading volume in November. And OpenSea is a platform for trading NFTs. Axie Infinity is a specific NFT project. And that one NFT man. project did $10, $1 billion in August. So that is absolutely insane. 
the SLP token, the Strange Love po uh, uh, potion that is the uh, medium of exchange token in Axie Infinity has also become a medium of exchange uh, token in the Philippines. In stark contrast to Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador, we now have Strange Love potions as the unofficial medium of, of exchange token in the Philippines, which is just crazy. The absolute just insane amount of reach that this application got. Entire like investment and funds and redo as uh, funds have been spun up as a result of Axie Infinity, right? Like, oh, Axie Infinity did did that thing where they went from you know three thirty million to eight billion. Like, funds have started as a result of that to invest in crypto gaming, uh, and so just blowout success and just absolutely just moved the needle with what it means to be a crypto game, uh, and it has really just redirected a ton of capital into crypto gaming to people trying to emulate that sort of success. Absolutely. And also all of the, the, the rise of all of these um, gaming guilds as well has been another story. And these yes. gaming guilds themselves receiving investments as well mm -hmm. to sort of marshal the right. gaming workforce and gaming communities. Uh, so super exciting stuff. Guys, we are going to be back with the top 10 top biggest 10. items from 2021. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Alchemix is one of the coolest new DeFi apps on the scene. It introduces self-paying loans, allowing you to spend and save at the same time. Deposit the DAI stablecoin into the Alchemix vault in order to get an advance on the interest it generates. Borrow up to 50% of the total amount of your deposited DAI in the form of AlUSD stablecoin. Here's the craziest part. The loan pays itself back and you cannot be liquidated. Unlock your assets potential in the ultimate DeFi savings account. And brand new to Alchemix is the ETH vault, where you can deposit ETH into the application, borrow Al ETH against your deposits, while having your advance gradually paid back over time. V2 is rapidly approaching, which will allow for even more collateral types, plus a variety of yield strategies to choose from. Harness the power of Alchemix at alchemix.fi. That's A-L-C-H-E-M-I-X dot F-I. Follow Alchemix on Twitter at AlchemixFI and join the Discord to keep up to date with Alchemix V2 and to get involved in governance. Matcha, everyone's favorite DEX aggregator, has just launched an open beta for gasless trading. So if you're trading more than $5,000 in common ETH and wrapped Bitcoin pairs, then your gas fees on Matcha are free. And that's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible price without any trading fees or unnecessary slippage. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your orders across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that, that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single and easy to use platform and has even saved me multiple times from accidentally picking the wrong decks to trade on and getting a bad price. Matcha also allows you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. So when you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz slash bankless, connect your wallet and start getting some of the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. All right, guys, we are back with the top 20 cri biggest crypto items of 2021. This is a roll up of roll ups. All right. So we're, we're uh, hitting them quick. We're going through them. We went through 10 already. Now here we are with the top 10. We're going to come back and start with number 10 here. The story is OpenSea. OpenSea, the platform, the eBay of NFTs, crossing 10 billion in all-time sales volume. David, you just mentioned that earlier. 
from a benchmark perspective, they had months that were bigger than entire quarters for Etsy, okay? Mm -hmm. Etsy, which has been in existence for, for years in the physical space. Getting up there with eBay type volumes, not quite passing it, but getting up there this year, what an incredible breakout application for crypto, uh, OpenSea. What else do you want to talk about? Definitely one of the things that surprised you and me, Ryan, in 2021 is the just insane amount of adoption that NFTs got. Um, turns out people like to trade pictures. Uh, and so all all that OpenSea does is facilitate that sort of behavior. Oh, would you like to trade pictures? Well, you must go to OpenSea. And it seems <laughs> it makes a ton of sense that OpenSea had the, just the insane amount of success that it did in the same year that meme stonks became a really big thing. And the retail trader just buying into memes became a really big thing. Retail traders buying into memes. That is exactly what OpenSea enables. <laughs> it's like, here, you know, here, David, go for it. Do you know, you know that Domino's meme, right? Where mm -hmm. like the first domino starts and then like it collapses and then it's like, yeah. I feel like some of the first dominoes are, are you know, back to like central bank stuff, right? Stimmy checks, inflation. Uh, easy monetary mm -hmm. policy, stimulation, you know, stimulus checks, right? Which cause meme stocks, mm -hmm. which causes retail FOMO phenomenon, which causes like the entire bull case of NFTs and kind of it meets where you get open sea volume crossing 10 billion this year, right? Yep. It's like mm -hmm. all of these things are connected. Mm-hmm. 100%. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you get your $1,400 stimmy check, and then at the end of that domino is is OpenSea crossing $10 billion in, in all-time sales volume, and you're stuck with a bunch of liquid JPEGs. <laughs> I'm stuck with a bunch of turtles. <laughs> that, that's at the end of the domino. Is guys. that where you got your turtle, Ryan, at, on OpenSea? Uh, yeah, of course, right? All, tur all turtles come from the OpenSea. Thanks for that uh, wow. tee up, David. Wow. I really <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, the Coinbase IPO. That was a long expected mm -hmm. IPO. We thought it was going to happen. We hoped it was going to happen. And it happened in 2021. Mm -hmm. That was a big event, though. Direct listing on NASDAQ. April 14th was the plan. Why is this significant? Why is it number nine on our list? Yeah, Coinbase is crypto's biggest company. Uh, most employees, biggest revenue. Uh, it, it's our flagship. It's kind of a, a signal for the rest of the industry. Now having our biggest company as a public company on you know the on the Nasdaq on the on the New York Stock Exchange is just very very legitimizing, uh, and it actually allows people to invest in the world of crypto uh, in ways that they are used to through selling uh, selling shovels uh, and and also doing it through in, inside of their brokerages with centralized exchanges. They again the pre-crypto world is just used to exposure like this. And so it's good for the rest of crypto because it's legitimizing to our industry. It also allows Coinbase to get the funding from the, the legacy world that they need uh, and uh, allows people to, to have exposure in ways that they're they're uh, more comfortable with. Uh, one interesting fact about uh, the Coinbase uh, direct listing, which I think people forget, uh, even though it made a big deal at the time, is that Coinbase gifted 100 shares to every single one of its employees ahead of the direct listing. And I think that directly came as a result of the whole airdrop culture, airdrop phenomenon, specifically Uniswap, the retroactive airdrops. Like, hey, employees, we are retro retroactively rewarding you for your contributions to Coinbase with 100 shares. Uh, and I remember, Ryan, when uh, Uniswap did their uh, airdrop, we talked about how Uniswap has shifted the Overton window of capital, what it means to have a relationship between capital and labor and allowing labor to uh, earn capital, not just currency, as a way to solve wealth uh, inequality and wealth distribution. And I think Coinbase is taking a leaf out of the ethos of crypto by gifting out 100 Coinbase shares to all of its employees. 
Uh, and so not only was it one of the biggest direct listings, uh, biggest public events of all time, or excuse me, in 2021, but it also did it in a very crypto ethos way. So uh, congratulations to Coinbase and tip of the hat. Yeah, so I, I, I guess one, one, one thought on that too is, right, so um, overall I think it was a great move and I think it's like net uh, very legitimizing to the space to have a crypto bank, a crypto company listed on the NASDAQ. I think there's a lot of value there where you have Wall Street analysts now pouring through uh, Coinbase documentation and as a byproduct learning about Ethereum and Bitcoin and like DeFi, right? That's super cool and I think that's fantastic. But also part of me, even though they did things like the, uh, the employee gift of shares, part of me feels like this is also a missed opportunity, right? Um, so part of me is a little bummed out that we didn't, uh, there wasn't a token mm. at the end of this for actual users, because that would have been the completion of your thought, right? So like there, there, there's some value in, in airdropping equity or tokens, stocks in this case, to employees. But the next step would have been some sort of token, some sort of uh, appreciation, some sort of value dropped to the actual liquidity providers and users of Coinbase. And we weren't able to make that happen. And uh, I think part of that is like goes to number eight on our list, actually. So it's a, it's a brilliant segue from number nine to number eight. And that is the story of Gary Gensler. Okay, Gary Gensler. Uh, and the article's down. <laughs> Bad gateway for for Gary Gensler. Let me try to reload this. Uh, Gary Gensler was confirmed mm -hmm. uh, by the U.S. Senate as the chairman of the SEC. He had previously served in other administrations. He was previously, people forget this, the CFTC chair as well. Did a stint at uh, MIT. Actually taught courses on blockchain. Taught courses on crypto. Good courses as well. I saw some of these lectures, uh, very knowledgeable about this, this space. And I think some people in crypto thought, hey, this is a good thing. Somebody knowledgeable about crypto is coming in in one of, uh, you know, one of the U.S.'s primary regulatory bodies. They actually know what they're doing and actually talking about. But wow, what a disappointment. Like saying, yeah. Gary, you were the chosen one and you failed us. Uh, blocking the Coinbase Earn product, no clarity in the difference between uh, utility tokens and securities and when a network becomes decentralized enough to, to be, you know, become a commodity, harsh crackdowns on many areas that seem like heavy-handed. Um, rather than collaborating with the industry, it's a very antagonistic approach. And some of that has leaked into you know, uh, Senate meetings where uh, Gary gives testimony, Gary Gensler gives testimony, and you know, senators press him on various things. And uh, he just seems very anti-crypto in posture and in agenda and a tremendous disappointment. And I almost wonder if that is part of the reason we didn't get a Coinbase token, right? If the U.S. had have leaned into that, pressed into uh, clarifying rules and regulations with respect to what's a security and what's not, maybe we would have gotten that. But David, why is Gary Gensler number eight on our list? Yeah, he just exactly what you said has really influenced the rest of the industry, really spooked a lot of people. It's moved a lot of uh, projects and teams and capital outside of the U.S. because the the threat or and restrictions of operating in the U.S. has just become uh, when you know people do their cost benefit analysis, they say the U.S. not a good spot just because of the posturing and the messaging and the lack of clarity coming out of the SEC. Um, 
uh, we we were all told to be cautious. I think we were the, the sentiment going into Gary Gensler was cautious optimism uh, about is like, oh, somebody that finally knows about crypto. That's not going to be just a, a dunce about how this industry works. Fa finally, you know, any clarity, any sort of, you know, good clarity is is exactly what this industry needs. And turns out uh, the incentive, the, the need to be cautious was the thing that was the right thing to be rather than optimistic, because not only did we get uh, even though he, Gary Gensler knows exactly how crypto works, the clarity that we've gotten is is absent, right? So even though he knows everything, like we know nothing. Uh, and so the signaling out of uh, SEC has been basically empty uh, and has really shifted how the whole entire market works right now because everyone is, is really cautious to be inside the U.S. We got airdrops that did not go to U.S. investors. We have Coinbase products that are not going to U.S. U, uh, US citizens. Uh, and overall, like the U.S. is starting to fall behind in terms of market adoption. Um, a lot of people going to things like uh, just uh, Europe, any, almost anywhere in Europe or uh, Canada and, and Mexico as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely proven to be kind of an institutionalist. And we should qualify this by saying it's not everyone in the SEC. True. This is, um, you know, G Gary's take, but it's certainly not other um, chair members as well. Uh, you know, Hester Peirce, for example, has pushed back against this agenda. And, um, you know, she she is a, a member of the SEC as well. But um, we'll have to see what happens in uh, in 2022. Gary Gensler was number eight on our list. Getting into number seven now, David. It's a story of Constitution Dow. This this Dow that formed what in like ten days or something, maybe maybe a shorter time period, in order to buy something, in order to form capital, to bid against a billionaire or many billionaires to purchase a copy, an original copy of the U.S. Constitution. A lot of symbolism in this movement. Also, a living, breathing use case of the power of DAO capital formations, the sorts of things you can do in a crypto crypto economy that you couldn't do in a traditional meat space. What is the, what is the story? Why is this significant? Why is this number seven? Yeah, the story is that over 17,000 people contributed a collective 47, 48 million dollars into Constitution DAO to collectively buy the, the Constitution. 17 thousand people with the average contribution size of $206 per person. So this was a fantastic grassroots event. Uh, uh, I think like half of the people that signed up to be part of the Constitution down and send in again, an average of $206. This was their first time using MetaMask. This is the first time using Ethereum. They were just they just saw some headline group internet group of people wants to buy the Constitution. And also you can be a part of this. And apparently that was enough for people to learn how to use Ethereum, how to use MetaMask, how to get Ether into MetaMask, and then also join a DAO. Uh, and so an insane uh, example of just like adoption for a specific use case. And this was just one DAO. Uh, and so hopefully Constitution DAO is a, th is a harbinger of things to come in 2022 with the power of DAOs and the ca power of capital coordination. And the same theme of uh, you know, apes strong together. This is the same energy. Like, join a DAO, get something done. Just buy buy something that you want. I think we're going to see a lot of this in 2022. Definitely a theme. Like, it definitely goes back to uh, you know the the GME um, conversation with meme stock conversation that we we're having earlier. And all that said, with all of the success, Constitution DAO didn't actually wasn't able to right. uh, actually purchase the Constitution. It was ironic is a hedge fund manager 
bought it out from under them. The Citadel one. <laughs> the one the one that, yes. that called up Robin Hood to tell him to stop trading. Exactly. Like what a full story. What a way mm-hmm. to bookend the year and kind of the way it started. And that that was interesting. The other story that was interesting that I think we'll get to you a little bit later was um, you know, uh some people were pretty upset, disappointed by Ethereum gas fees mm. when they were trying to withdraw some of their funds, when they're trying to deposit uh, for a lot of people, it wasn't even worth the gas fee in order to withdraw some of their funds. So that caused some uh, growing pays, pains and consternation as well. But Constitution Dow definitely deserves to be in our top 10. And that's why it was number seven. But let's get to number six, moving closer to this mm-hmm. top five. Can't wait. EIP 1559. Okay. I say 1559. 1559 <laughs> is what many of you say. Uh, this is the improvement proposal for Ethereum that started burning ETH improved the fee mechanism for the way everyone pays gas fees on the Ethereum network. It went into play August 4th, I believe, in the Ethereum London hard fork. This was a long-awaited EIP and a very important one from an economic perspective and also from a user experience perspective. Why is this worthy of number six, David? Well, this was the bi- this is the biggest upgrade to any public blockchain ever, let alone a blockchain that is settling billions and billions of dollars of value like every single week. Um, so this is this is a, an example of so many different things. Uh, the Ethereum core developers, the the client developers, actually being able to coordinate around a spec on EIP one five five nine, implement that into their into their client software, uh, after going through a rigorous research phase, which brought in uh, you know um, uh, Tim Roughgarden, who is a, a game theory and economist uh, professor at some very prestigious school, uh, which brought in a bunch of debate from the ecosystem. This was one of the most uh, probably the the EIP that had the most eyeballs on it ever, and like you said, like long awaited two years of communities just drumming saying, "Hey, we want EIP one five five nine. We want EIP one five five nine," and then it actually arriving on mainnet without a hitch, by the way, uh, completely just seamlessly integrating into Ethereum and starting to make Ether the the asset ultra sound money. Uh, and so to me, when I saw EIP 1559 get integrated, this is uh, already after the beacon chain launched. Um, but the beacon chain actually was a new blockchain separate from the current Ethereum L1 that everyone touches all the time. Uh, and so EIP 1559 was the biggest change to the actual live Ethereum blockchain. Uh, and so to me, this was the biggest signal that the rest of the Ethereum roadmap was absolutely going to get executed upon because of how big of a lift that it was, how complicated it was, and how well it went off without a hitch. Uh, and it has so many uh, important points to bring up with regards to Ethereum, network security, the the hardness of money, the relationship between money and, a, and its economy, uh, and the ability for a community to rally around something that it wants and the developers that support that community to actually listen and implement it. Uh, and so uh, I think everything everybody was surprised with how much Ether EIP 1559 would actually burn inside of the same year when this got launched in August, we would burn over 100,000 Ether. No, excuse me. Yes, 100,000 Ether. Uh, and and just a lot more than people what people thought it, it would burn when we were daydreaming about it years ago. Uh, and so EIP 1559, formally in the rear view mirror for Ethereum. Absolutely. And uh, you know, we couldn't leave it with just one slot on the top 20 list. We, we have to touch it again uh, because number five, clocking in at number five, is the ultrasound money narrative. And that dovetails nicely with EIP 1559, but uh, isn't the only 
aspect of EIP 1559, right? So when we talk about ultrasound money, David, and this narrative taking hold, as I think exemplified by this fantastic website the community came up with, ultrasound.money, what are we talking about here? Why is this worthy of number five? Why is this a major narrative and proof point that came out of 2021? Also, correction, Ryan, if you go down and hit all, it is 1.2 million Ether that has been burnt since uh, the implementation of EIP-1559. So yeah, 10x larger than, than how I thought it was. Ultrasound money is the first significant like meme for Ether the asset, uh, which Ethereum and Ether the asset really struggled to actually get a grasp on like, hey, like why is Ether valuable? Once upon a time, people just thought it was gas. It was going to have a very high velocity. It wouldn't really store any value. Um, but slowly over time, DeFi got built out and Ether as a collateral became a very viable use case. Then EIP-1559 happened and uh, the scarcity of Ether turned into a function of the demand for uh the Ethereum block space, AKA the Ethereum economy. Meanwhile, in the background, we have proof of stake happening, uh, which will be eventually merged. Uh, and overall, when you tie all these things together, we finally come out, came up with the meme, ultrasound money. Uh, and so there's a lot, a lot baked into what ultrasound money actually means. Uh, and turns out that that is actually a good enough meme to uh, get into mainstream adoption. So you can now read about ultrasound money and like, Bank's banks finance reports about Ethereum and and uh, you know just investigative deep dives into the eco uh, economics of the Ethereum network, uh, and so now people understand when once upon a time where Ether people thought Ether was just this velocity utility token, now people understand it to be what it really is, which is ultrasound money. Yeah, I remember uh, talking with people back in you know 2018, 2019, saying things like and even 2020, the one thing Ethereum is missing is a uh, monetary policy. Right, it's like, a, like mm -hmm. just like a cohesive, understandable monetary policy of what supply looks like in the future. And that monetary policy is ultrasound money, right? And uh, you can kind of see this on the on the website. If we look at you know projecting the supply into the future, we've got two parts of three components in place already that make Ether ultrasound money. That is the beacon chain launch, the ability to stake ETH. That happened December of 2020, and then EIP 1559, which happened in August. And then next year, going to 2021, we have the proof of work chain going offline and being replaced fully by proof of stake, which will decrease issuance by another 4.1%. So that's going to be, next year is going to be the true ultrasound money era for uh, Ethereum issuance. And the cool thing about this is uh, I feel like, David, we no longer have to talk about it or meme it very much because now people can just see it in the data and in the numbers. And um, you know these numbers are continuously reported block by block. Ethereum becomes more scarce. Ether becomes more scarce, and uh, you know the, the the meme propagates. So it's kind of taken a life on its own, and that's why it's number five on our list. A big year for Ethereum's monetary policy. Now we get to number four, which is kind of the downside of this as well. Some bumps along the the road that uh, Ethereum hit, and uh, that is um, gas fees. Ethereum mm -hmm. gas fees being too damn high, okay? So there's a good side of that, of course, because high gas fees means high block space demand, which is product market fit for Ethereum. That's the thing it's trying to drive towards. It's like more demand for its block space. But the flip side of this is it prices a lot of user activity off of mainnet, off chain. And users get upset about this, right? Why should a Uniswap trade cost $50? I mint an NFT and it costs $250, 
I can't even afford to move it from one account uh, to another. It's not even worth that much. So there's kind of a, a almost like a populist uprising mm -hmm. from a user perspective saying, ETH fees are too damn high. I'm going to sidechains. I'm going to alternative layer twos. Ethereum is broken. This cannot this cannot persist. Uh, and of course, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tease number three. We'll get to number three in a minute, but uh, that that leads to number three on our list too. But let's talk about for a minute Ethereum fees being too high and what are the ramifications and implications of this that played out over 2021. Yeah, there's a, there's a friction with Ether as ultrasound money and Ethereum as a utility network to do DeFi smart contract stuff. And uh, Bitcoiners have actually like had this criticism of Ethereum for forever now. It's like either you can have a smart contract platform or you can have sound money, but you can't have both, uh, implying that like the the more the higher the value the asset is, the less utility the actual smart contract chain can offer. And that's true in a world where there's only one single Ethereum layer one. I think in 2022, we're going to discover that the Ethereum L1 is not a place for users. That is not where people should find the utility. The utility is discovered in execution environments in where uh, transactions actually get executed. And while that does happen on the L1, it also happens on layer twos. And so while we're watching this graph of ETH price, uh, ETH gas fees go up and up and up and up and up, I think we are also simultaneously being seeing users pushed out into the layer twos more and more and more and more. The incentive to go to layer twos goes up as gas fees go up. That's what L2s are for. Uh, and so we are in this limbo period, this weird, awkward phase of Ethereum where everyone's still on the layer one, gas fees are really, really high, people haven't migrated to layer two, but eventually everyone will be on layer twos and they will reconstruct in their, in their heads what it means to pay a gas fee. Uh, and so this is how Ethereum gets best of both worlds. It has cheap execution on the layer two and then strong settlement assurances on the layer one. And that's hopefully how we can balance these things. I think uh, while we're in this awkward phase, th this the, this idea and this concept of the Ethereum main chain not big for users, but now it's for chain settlement, for the settlement of uh, rollups, which is an aggregation of all sorts of user activities. While Ethereum is in this awkward phase, I think competitors have really taken advantage of it. And that gets us to number three on our list. We're in the top three now, the biggest things that happened in 2021. And that is the rise of alternative layer ones and their assets. We're talking Solana, we're talking Avalanche, we're talking Terra, we're talking Binance Smart Chain earlier in the year, and a slew of other competitors that have locked in a tremendous amount of total locked value. They have NFT ecosystems, they have a DeFi economy, some DeFi projects that are not the typical Ethereum projects. Some of these are copies things that have occurred on Ethereum. Some of them are sort of net new, and they're all taking advantage of low gas fees and Ethereum's high gas fees in order to uh, execute their, um, their their strategies. Of course, we also have more Ethereum line sidechains like um, Polygon, which are moving to, uh, to layer two technology as well in the mix. But let's talk a little bit about the rise of alternative layer ones. How did this happen and why? As it turns out, uh, what you wanted to sell or be selling at the start of 2021 was block space. 
Uh, when it can, comes time for just mainstream adoption of crypto, where everyone's coming to become and start doing crypto things, turns out we need a ton of block space for those people to do crypto things with. Uh, and expensive block space isn't going to onboard the world. Ethereum, as a, a resource-constrained network, which constrained means uh, is, is how it allows itself to maintain decentralization, having that constrained block space just doesn't create enough block space for the whole rest of the world. Uh, and so layer ones, other alternative layer ones have taken advantage of the of this fact that Ethereum has constrained block space. Uh, and so uh, things Binance Smart Chain, Avalanche, Solana, uh, and a few others as well have all cropped up in order to answer for the growing demand for block space. Uh, and they actually, those were the chains that actually met the demand of users. And that's why it's, uh, since uh, January of 2021, when Ethereum had over 95% dominance in TVL, Ethereum is now down to 62.5% of total TVL supplies is of Ethereum. The rest, uh, the rest uh, of the one third of that uh, total TVL is split between chains like Terra, Binance, Smart Chain, Avalanche, and Solana. It's interesting. Many people are calling this a, a new multi-chain world. Uh, this is kind of the new normal and expecting Ethereum's uh, market share of total locked value to erode over time. Others will counter and say, look, we haven't yet seen layer twos in their new fully manifested form and wait until Ethereum gets out of puberty you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and comes out on the other side of this with, you know, b big muscles and a new job. And, you know, it's like it's got its entire roll up ecosystem mm -hmm. that has launched on top of it. And uh, that might be a different story going into 2022. So we'll have to see. But, David, we are now to our top two uh, top want, two items. On I want the list listeners to pause things. and reflect on what they think it is before we get in there. Ah, what do you think it is? What? What do you what could think it be? It is? Top what two things. It? What mm -hmm. else happened in this crazy year that was 2021? Coming in at policy. number two, David buys a CryptoPunk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where, that's what's number two, Chilling right? Chilling our bags. That's, that's <laughs> number two, yeah. Not number two. The real number two is this. The infrastructure bill. Oh, yeah. Et tu brute, okay? Politicians betraying us. Treasury betraying us. This infrastructure bill all too important in the American le legislative process, a very important bill to get passed. Treasury snuck in a provision that made a whole bunch of our crypto transactions, the regular things, where I send you some ETH, David, or mm -hmm. you purchase a CryptoPunk. Mm -hmm. We're called brokers in these transactions. Uh, KYC, AML, tax requirements, everything that comes with it, really clamping down on the space. This language was snuck into the infrastructure bill, a must-pass bill, sometime over the summer. And we got to see a lot of things play out as a result of this. We got to see some conversations in Congress about proof of work versus proof of stake, and maybe some broader understanding of what DeFi actually is, some pushback as well. I also feel like the crypto community woke up and discovered some of its latent strength, its ability to actually push policy decisions, its ability to flex some muscle from a lobby perspective and to start educating members of Congress. A lot wrapped up in this one. That's why it's number two. What, from your perspective, makes it so high on our list? Yeah, this is this is the uh, the event where crypto learned that if it's not at the table in these negotiations, then it's on the menu, uh, and that's exactly what happened here. It's like no one, people, no one. We didn't really have any crypto representation uh, during when some of this infrastructure deal making was being written. Therefore, they were like, "Oh, the crypto people will just tax them a lot 
so we can get a bunch of their money. Uh, and turns out we weren't there to defend ourselves. And that's probably the last time that that's ever going to be true because now we are definitely there. And so what used to be a very amount, a uh, very significant uh, deficiency in our representation in Capitol Hill has turned into just a great amount of uh, just energy uh, put behind the people that are, are now teaming up. And there's a lot of different uh, lobbying groups, uh, things like Coin Center and Blockchain Association that are now uh, becoming uh, far, far better coordinated between each other. There's a lot more energy and a lot more funding here. Uh, new lobby groups are, are coming to the table. We saw Andrew Yang saying that he wants to make the Humanity Forward Party the crypto party. Politicians are, have realized that there is money and energy inside of this uh, movement. And they saw that from the reaction of the crypto industry towards the infrastructure bill. Uh, and so while it was a big L in a way, it definitely was a big L. Like there's definitely in this wording is still in this infrastructure bill, by the way. So like uh, we're actually all still going to become brokers at the end of the day. But uh, <laughs> while, while it was an L... I think it's really a long-term W because we're going to be able to, to redirect some of the some of that that failure into what crypto people are good at, and what crypto people are good at is winning. Uh, and so we always find our way to to uh, make le lemonade out of lemons, and I think that's exactly what's going on here. And this uh, this doesn't go into effect until the year 2024, so we've got some time. Mm. Also, you know, there's a lot of work going on to pass an amendment to push an amendment through that would kind of nullify these problematic clauses in the infrastructure bill. So that's ongoing work. And I think exactly to your point, right? So the crypto industry and politicians realize that crypto has the two things that they really like, and that's money and votes. And we are passionate single issue voters when it comes to uh, crypto freedoms. And I think politicians are starting to wake up to that. Toward the end of the year, David, there was a, uh, a um, I believe, I forget where in Congress this was, what committee, what organization in Congress this was. Do you, do you recall? Somewhere in Congress, uh, and there was a uh, one of the most successful meetings we had to date about crypto, um, uh, crypto items and crypto. On the agenda, there were actually some politicians, Congress members who stuck up for crypto, talking about the merits of even things like Web3 in a way that uh, we hadn't previously seen. So that is this this muscle in action. Uh, and that, I, I hope, is the future conversation around crypto in the legislative bodies of the U.S. That gets us to number one, David. Number one, coming in at number one. Inflation. 7% mm. inflation this year. The number one item a macro item, something crypto people have been predicting for years. We've seen asset price inflation. Now here's inflation in CPI, in consumer prices, in energy, in housing, in groceries, all the things you care about, you spend your money on as an individual consumer showing up there. They said it was transient at first earlier this year. Did not show itself to be very transient. Uh, they're getting rid of the word, recycling the word uh, transient. But let's talk about this. Why is this number one, David? Of all the things we could mm -hmm. have put as number one for 2021, we chose inflation. Why? I think this story just indicates why monetary policy, global monetary policy is so, so important. Because if we go and re recap the list that we just ran through, so many of these things are triggered by inflation, by the money printer. Bitcoin and Ether, starting at number 20, Bitcoin and Ether, new all-time highs. Mm, that definitely has to do with the money printer. 
GME and the rise of meme stonks and the pushing out of individuals with their stimmy checks into risk on trades and just yoloing their money into Robinhood. Maybe that's because of the money printer. Michael Saylor and Tesla buying Bitcoin, definitely because of inflation. Uh, DeFi, bigger than CeFi, definitely has tailwinds because of all the money going into crypto because of the inflation. Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador. Well, the other currency that El Salvador has is the dollar, which is inflating. So now they also have Bitcoin, which isn't. People's $69 million sale, definitely because of people being pushed out on the risk curve because of inflation. Bored Apes profile picture NFTs, probably the same thing. Axie Infinity, maybe, probably. Uh, OpenSea, $10 billion in NFT volume. People are trading JPEGs because of the, the devaluing of the dollar. In the same way that, did you know, fun fact, Ryan, that uh, Rolexes are completely sold out across all Rolex stores? Well, so did like Op OpenSea is also doing $10 billion in NFT volume. This, these are the same energies. Um, uh, Coinbase IPO, maybe not. Gary Gensler IPO, uh, maybe not. Constitution DAO, maybe not. EIP 1559, ETH is ultrasound money. Ethereum fees are all too high. Not necessarily due, due to inflation, but definitely telling the other side of the story of disinflation. Uh, and also the rise of alternative layer one demand for block space, perhaps a, just a demand to do crypto things, crypto being an anti-inflation uh, uh, hedge. Uh, and so I, I think the reason why we're talking about inflation here is it, because it impacts everything. Everything is impacted by the monetary policy of the global macro reserve asset, which is currently the dollar. It impacts all forms of life. It impacts everything we do. Uh, and now the fact that it's at 7% annualized in the last month, it's only seem, it could only get hotter from here. Uh, so inflation is the most influential, impactful thing that happened in 2021, in my opinion. David, did you just do a roll-up of the roll-up of roll-ups? You know, did you know, Ryan, that you can settle a roll-up <laughs> that settles on another roll-up? <laughs> that settles on a roll-up? Yeah, that settles on a roll-up. Yeah. The real reason we put inflation as number one is because it was an opportunity to roll up this entire roll-up, which was an aggregation of roll-ups anyway. Mm -hmm. That's the real reason. Uh, but yeah, also... Look, it affects everything. It is that first domino in that domino meme to, to, to go over, and uh, it leads to all of these things downstream. I think a question going into 2022 is, what is the Fed going to do about it? Here's a Jim Bianco tweet that says they don't have a lot of choices. Maybe they have two choices, and both of them are bad. You respond to infl inflation and hike the yield uh, interest yields aggressively, okay? Or you don't respond to inflation and you destroy your influence, reputation as a, a governor of the, of the system, as a, the Democratic Party in this instance. And so you can't also do nothing and wait too long because you know people, people are upset. The price of the pump, people are upset with asset prices uh, rising. So what do you do? They're kind of in between a rock and a hard place. And uh, you know they'll have to make some difficult decisions but it's not even clear that the Fed is even in control at this point. They're kind of a, they're just going with the system and responding as needed uh, to, you know, to, to what they, they think they should do. They're sort of a product of the system at this point. That's something that we will be tracking in 2022. And that's our wrap up. Mm -hmm. The top 20 things, biggest things that happened in crypto for 2021. David, there are some honorable mentions we should also get to that almost made our list. What are those honorable mentions? Yeah, the first one that we have, again, in no particular order, the first one is loot. 
the whole loot phenomenon. Ryan, remember when we were buying black images with white text on them on, on OpenSea? That was fun. Yeah, that was, that. that was a crazy week. Yeah, it turns out that <laughs> like this whole loot phenomenon, which was uh, an inverse of the typical uh, NFT JPEG uh, phenomenon, where rather than having the actual JPEG tell people what the token means, you have the token tell developers what it looks like and what that means is that there's actual embedded data in this token that actually has items inside of it that allows the world around loot to come and be built around it rather than having a token just resemble a specific jpeg uh, so it's an inverse between the the data and the token and that allows people's imaginations to go wild develop game developers can just go wild and that really Really, it was actually really at the start of this whole kind of metaverse word. Uh, the metaverse word was definitely being used, but it really got kicked off with this loot phenomenon, at least inside of the crypto industry, and with this design of a token that is inside out, that allows the Im imaginations of the people and its owners and the developers around it to actually bestow what the thing actually looks like. Uh, so that, that was a huge conversation starter and still actually has a bunch of just like building and investment and trading going on to this day. Another honorable mention is in real life crypto events. They came back a little mm -hmm. bit this year. I think there'll be more in 2022, but they came back this year and that was important for the industry. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would say they, they came back, but also it was a first because the crypto in real life crypto events of uh, uh, 2017 and 2018 were of a very different time. And there weren't very many in real life crypto events from 2018 to 2019 because it was a bear market. The crypto events that are here today are are making headlines in magazines and pop culture magazines. And, and as it turns out, dope parties are a way to onboard a lot of people into crypto. Uh, and so crypto is, is not only getting its, its, its foundation strengthens on a fundamental basis where, where like Bitcoin is being uh, bought by central banks, but also in real life, crypto people are now, it's now a cultural movement uh, and it's a global cultural movement. Uh, and so this is, I think, really uh, shifting what it means to be part of the crypto industry, because now being part of the crypto industry also implies that there's so, you, you go to something in real life, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> it's uh, it's happening. I'll, I'll be going to things in real life next year. I promise. Okay. Not a 2021 thing. It's a 2022 mm -hmm. thing. Let's group these next honorable mentions together. Elon Musk pumping Doge as well. That was a theme for the year. Pumping all sorts of things. Elon mm -hmm. Musk, the meme lord was an honorable mention, something that happened a lot in 2021. Also, uh, SHIB, the Shib. price of dog coins mm -hmm. going wild. So uh, somebody you know, reportedly on SHIB turned $8,000 into $1 billion. I'm not sure how much liquidity was on that $1 billion, but quite a trade on SHIB tokens and meme coins. So do dog tokens went wild this year. Also, NFTs made SNL as well. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that SNL skit, yep. David? What's the significance of that? Again, NFTs just making their way into mainstream adoption. A SNL, it's, it's a cultural icon. Uh, and now they're just, they made a skit about NFTs. Um, and so NFTs are just now at the family dinner table. People are going to talk about them here at Christmas. They talked about them in, at Thanksgiving. Um, at, at, if it's in SNL, it's in public awareness. The last, uh, the last two Honorable mentions, the ETH-Bitcoin ratio. ETH may be gearing up for a flippening. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about that uh, at the outset, but that looks like it's getting closer, maybe a potential going into 2022. And maybe the last item on the list is uh, Facebook mm -hmm. becoming meta. Facebook maybe co-opting the metaverse idea or maybe building uh, an alternative to it. Depends on your perspective here. 
What are your thoughts on that last one, Meta? Yeah, it's a definitely a sign of the how much the metaverse is in vogue and also a sign of Facebook trying to run away from its previously tainted branding. But I don't think it's going to be able to get too far away from that. Web 2 still Web 2. Um, but uh, the maybe 2022 is the year of the metaverse. Uh, maybe that's too soon. I don't know. But the metaverse is on people's minds, be it big Silicon Valley companies or individuals like us. The metaverse is in. Guys, that's it. Top 20 items for the year, plus some honorable mentions, uh, bonus items for you. We hope you have a happy holiday. It's been a lot of fun doing Bankless this year. David, I don't know how many recordings we did uh, mm -hmm. this year, how many articles we wrote. There's a whole bunch. And um, we hope you leveled up just as much as we did this year. I see a meme on the, of the of the year on the agenda too, David. I don't know if you snuck this into the list. Should I? Oh uh, yeah, I don't this? have too much conviction conviction on that one, but uh, I think no, it's we're fun displaying it. All right, meme of the year, <laughs> <laughs> DeFi mullet thesis. There it is. DeFi mm -hmm. in the front, DeFi in the back. Man, I gotta say, dude, you look great in a mullet. I don't. I think you should try this for real, dude. That that looks like a real photo of you, man. Like that, that <laughs> looks like a, a college Ryan. That's what it looks like under here. <laughs> <laughs> crypto wife is fantastic that's mm -hmm. uh best memer on twitter in my opinion um Absolutely. guys this has been state of the nation hope you enjoyed it let's get to the financial disclaimers disclaimers at the end of the episode eth is risky bitcoin is risky crypto is risky you could definitely lose what you put in take it from the guy in the santa hat <laughs> but we are headed west this is the frontier it's not for everyone but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey thanks a lot Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.